Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This is the Ask a Painter live show. I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. This is the, what number episode is this? 358, give or take. So six plus years, going on seven years of never missing a week live broadcasting. And a special show today because I talked Jason Paris into driving down from his nest into New Prague, my hometown. And we are sitting in my shop. Um, the intern week continues with my daughter Pookie, and we are here to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff uh, today. We'll talk about the PCA, we'll talk about the industry, we'll talk about what he's up to nowadays. Uh, and of course, um, this is one of the greatest things ever. You have a hour now to ask Jason Paris. AMA. AMA. Ask, ask me anything. Me. You have an hour to ask Jason Paris anything you want to ask him. So uh, number one, we should talk about the PCA. Uh, for, for those of you, uh, the people who don't know, the Painting Contractors Association is a 140-year-old organization that you were the head of for the last two years. You were the chairman of the board. Um, prior to that, uh, I was the vice chair, and you guys groomed me to take over, and the transition has taken place, and you have handed off the torch to me now. That's correct. Yeah. This is the part where you fill in with more information. <laughs> uh, no, it's great. So the PC is a nonprofit. Um you know, it's a, it's a novel way to have influence in the industry yep. outside of just yourself. So yep. there's a lot that you do, Nick. Um, there's a little that I can do. But by using the novel infrastructure of an organization like that, you can enact arguably greater change than you could do individually. You'd be testing that limit because you're so high productive on yep. your own. Um, yeah, the fact that it has that rich history, the fact that it's a nonprofit, uh, there's so many tremendous volunteers that mm. serve um, – Servantly within that association, yeah. that's a very novel place to enact change. And I think over the last handful of years, we've seen a pretty big shift in the organization, Huge. in the association, building off the shoulders of giants, right? Mm -hmm. So not just us, not just yeah. myself, and it won't be just you, but yep. uh, really moving from the idea of, you know, what is, what are some of the options available to entering into the painting business? Mm -hmm. and what can the trade look like? And, uh, you know, to be a, prof what does being a professional mean? Yeah. Right? What yep. is... What is okay? What's not okay? Um, is martyrdom the standard that we live by, uh, or is or is a professionalized business the standard that we live by? Yep. And that's independent of the scale or the size of the company. But it's true. Um, the conversations that were had even just four or five years ago are a lot different than was ha were happening down in Albuquerque this past year. Yeah. Right now, it's all about um, a lot of philosophical conversations, mm -hmm. the fundamentals of job costing, uh, profitability, scaling, leading people. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot less conversation about complaining and drinking. What do you do with angry clients? Right. You know, <laughs> kids these days don't want to work. Am I right? Uh, there's a lot of estimator that. Andy. What? <laughs> Say hi, man. Hey. The four-day work week is a lie. Oh, <laughs> 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 in the back room. Not for not for killers like us. It's not. Hanging so. out. <laughs> this place yeah. is such a fun place to be. So. No, See you later. It's not work when you're not getting paid. So <laughs> I like to say. All right, off of it. Good luck today, Andy. Yeah, thanks. 
Yeah. So what, what Jason, what Jason doesn't say a lot is um, it's hard to quantify the things that Jason and the, the people who have come before him have done for this organization, because when any entity is around for 140 years, um, it has to go through some changes. And typically what you'll find in a nonprofit servant volunteer organization is that it's likely going to lag behind the norms, right? Just there's not a huge profit motive in something like this. There's more of it like an intrinsic servant leadership that happens. So um, starting with a couple leaders before Jason, executive directors, board members, board chairs, you guys have modernized, professionalized, and made this the Cool Kids Club. And you basically set the entire table, this huge banquet table with all the fancy silverware. We have a world-class chef making the food, the dinner, and then I show up yeah. right now. Yeah. And so... Still, a lot of work to be done. Nothing is solved, but uh, you guys picked me up for a certain reason because now the biggest thing that we need to accomplish is basically tell people about this thing because now it is worthy of being known. It's I've got a value proposition to beat all value propositions. All the good people are there, and the problem is uh, not enough people know about it. We we capture a tenth of one percent of the industry, and. It's likely we may only capture one to three percent uh, of the most professional, the most thoughtful, and that's fine. But still, that's a huge leap from where we are now. So that's kind of where the industry and, and our organization stands. And Jason and I are doing this on a volunteer basis, basically because it has given us so much. We are who we are, where we are, in part because of this organization. That's one of the biggest secret sauces to um benefiting others in this industry is getting them off the island. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was funny. We were, I don't know, it was fun just reflecting. It's been however many years, three, probably four, yeah. four or five years yep. since we did our first Ask a Painter. Yeah. yeah. You came into my Golden Valley office. That's right. And uh, we were sitting side by side just like this, much younger uh, and much more spry looking. But, less wrinkles. Uh, so much more optimism. So much more optimism, <laughs> less wrinkles. Uh, but yeah, just, just getting collaboration with others and, I think it's a, much more of a norm now. And, yeah. you know, like every generation says, or like everybody says, the kids these days don't understand how good they have it. Yeah. Uh, because I can remember back when I was starting with my painting company, mm -hmm. trying to interact with people was a very big challenge. And I've not changed. Even I, me at the start, too. Yeah. Even, <laughs> I mean, and I've been consistent of like uh, the cooperation mindset, but. That is like a, it fits now, but did not fit yeah. six years ago. And you, and you obviously, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that people think they know us for. We're not the ones to create collaboration and reaching out, right. but we were the vocal ones and we were the ones that were easy to find early on. So we, we will never take credit for oil primer, for reaching out, for all that other stuff. But you and I have been very consistent in getting the word out and being easy to find, easy to talk to and things like we've been a touch point yeah. for the industry. Yeah. And it adds in, you know, a lot of people that we have uh, gotten in contact with have embraced it, you know, oh. full strength. And once they start to, once people hear a concept and it yeah. resonates with them, then they adopt it. And that's, that's both in the cooperation concept, but also, you know, what does it look like to run a professional business? That's, yeah. that's something that people, when they first hear about it, it resonates with them and they pick it up and they run with it. Um, and I'd say I put myself in that camp too. Like I never really knew a, what, a, what a real business could look like. Yeah. I just, I felt like there was more than the people that I was meeting that were, uh, the, the examples to strive for. Of course. Yep. So examples yep. to strive for the, which is not poo pooing this reality, but it was, Hey, someone's doing one, two, you know, maybe $3 billion top line. Mm -hmm. They have a really nice lifestyle business and, uh, they're going to do this until they get tired. <laughs> Right. And yeah. then maybe sell to a key employee 
uh, or, you know, sell the leads or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And that was like, that's awesome. Um, but for me, it wasn't, it was just, I, just, I was reflecting on this the other day. I was like, I remember the people that I first met as like mentors, yeah. sure that people yeah. connect me with. And they were like, here's what your painting company could be. I was like, that's not quite it. Uh, I think there's something else. Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what it looked like. It looks like a stage and a half away from something. It's like in route to something. But it was, yeah, but it was the example that's given. It's yeah. kind of like, yeah. uh, again, it's not a bad thing, but it's just um, when there's a variety of examples given to people, mm -hmm. it just opens up their minds and their perspectives to what they can begin to build. And so it's nice to start with the end in mind. Um, and, and it's really, yeah, so great advice, except that 99% of our industry, we, okay. we're, we're emblematic of sort of the, the like, the way that everyone, the I am, I am representative of what our industry has been and kind of is getting over right now. Mm -hmm. You're emblematic of what is now happening with the industry, which is, I was raised as a painter. I got into the industry. I looked around. I had to leave my own family business because they could not offer me anything. Mm -hmm. And so I had to start my own business. 99% of our industry cannot find a professional company to work for. So they're like, well, listen, if if Jim will only pay me 30 bucks an hour, I'm going to go off on my own and charge 40 because now I'm going to be a business owner. And that is our industry. So we come as painters first. We, we are forced to open up businesses because there's not enough professionals. You came in saying, well, this is a business. Start with the end in mind. 99% of us did not start with the right. end in mind. People like you peeked open the door. And when I saw what a real business was, I was like, that's all I needed. I just yeah. needed to see that. And it was like, these yearnings I had inside, all the friction points that I wanted to solve, all I needed to do was say, well, that's what I've been thinking about. That's, I didn't even know that that was there, but I want that. So, cause that's, I think that's a good point. What most people want is a nice job. Mm -hmm. Like most of, most of the business owners in our industry, <clears throat> it sounds, uh, I actually don't care. Say what I think it sounds mean, but most of them would be much better served being a, a high, you know, a mid to high level employee mm -hmm. in a professional painting company of scale. Right, to be better served during that, but they're forced to. They're forced to start their own company because there are no businesses to go work for that have the yeah. infrastructure and the scale to afford these mid-level roles, yeah. right? mid to upper level roles, or provide the you know the career pathing uh, or just the normal interactions of like a boss and an employee, yeah. a predictable pay scale, bonus well, structure. A, like a lot of world-class um, corporations are leadership academies, and there's a path you put on. There's not that in most trade well, places. Yeah, you know? I would not. Uh, again, it sounds super mean, but uh, if you look at some of the cohorts mm -hmm. of painting contractors, I would not innately say there's an entrepreneur. Yeah, there's a problem solver. No, and that's that's uh, just the truth. And it, and it sometimes feels it, now when it, when we, we say nine, we say ninety nine percent, you know, that the ninety nine percent of the industry is is you know, the average is one point five. <laughs> that's a little bit of a misnomer because there's so many forced. Uh, Forced businesses, yeah, right. Where they yeah. would typically in any other industry be an employee yes. or a high-level manager or even a mid-level manager. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like we say there's what three hundred thousand painting contractors mm -hmm. in the U.S. Well, seventy-five of them work for Paris Painting in the summer. Exactly. Right? So, like, yeah, it's kind of like there are businesses, but they would be much better served being employees, yeah. being managers, mm -hmm. being mid-level managers. It's just the dynamic of this industry. It's kind of like it's a circular issue. Once it starts to break out, it does have like a the old trickle down effect, yeah, right. But it does have some downstream effects. So when you have these larger businesses yeah. that have infrastructure, that have scale, that can offer, you know, clear pace, the things that you harp on all the time, clear yep. pay scales, yep. normal human interaction, leadership, yes. not like drunk cussing. Um, 
just normal interactions, yeah. you know, upward mobility, all those great things. Now you start to attract people who would say, I could start my own company. But I'd much rather go start with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, it's a little bit circular, but also a downstream effect. And, and so what, there's a lot of our industry. IMHL, yeah. In my humble opinion. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of us who have a lot of ego because we're business owners, right? But we haven't done anything to even do that, like pay the entrance fee of being a real business. So what this industry needs is some tough love. And you've been through it, Jason, and you are that person to give that tough love. And people like me respond to that very well. I'm like, oh, wait a second. That's actually true. Maybe I should internalize that and do something about you, it. Yeah, you're world class at that. You're really good at uh, letting your ego go, typically. Yes. In this case, yeah. especially, right? So a lot of people, uh, this is like the, there's like a, a young, a young, fresh idea and like an old, like angry person. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or like they see someone as being successful and they're like, that just pisses me off. Yes. It pisses yeah. me off because, yeah. uh, you know, I'm mad at myself ultimately. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have, uh, I forget what the, it was driven by, um, I think it's low self-esteem or insecurity. I think insecurity, it's driven by insecurity. Yeah. Right. So that's like a real dynamic. What's inter- what's great about you is when you interact with people and you're like, you had this moment of, oh, wow. I, uh, I don't want to call it wasting the first five, you still wear how many years you ago. call it wasting. I want to call it wasting, but you would also say like, I feel like I wasted a lot of time because I wasn't open to the possibilities yeah. or made aware of the possibilities of how I could be developing my business. Now you got some benefits out of that. It really, what's the opposite of abundance mindset? Scarcity. I had a scarcity mindset. Right. And so, yeah, the way that you reacted to that though, was instead of getting angry and uh, mean and like uh, defensive, Yeah, you got very reflective and open. Yeah. And that, yeah. that has been one of the you know, foundational qualities of your success. Yeah. But it wasn't my initial reaction because I wasn't raised to be that way. And uh, you and I talk intentionally about this too, which is, you know, whether we like it or not, we're leaders in the industry, uh, up on paper and otherwise. And we have actually openly talked about, we need to make sure that we're never these grumpy old dudes who look at that next generation of guys and say, well, listen, hold on, hold on. You haven't yeah. paid your dues yet. This is, we need to champion and cheer yeah. on the next Nick and Jason in the industry and not be that crusty old, veteran there like that i'm holding on to like you have to hold it on my cold stinky claws that although i do think once we get one generation removed in that now when we're cheering on these young hotshots like our friends from florida from provision and things like that once they become the nick and jason and we're one thing removed i say we go back to crusty i say we really just double down yeah just show up at the expo and just say oh you guys have no idea how it used to be a real painter (laughs) You didn't put in your 25 years of martyrdom before you, you did this. You don't even have a shop. <laughs> you're not, you're yeah. Show you're, me your spray booth. Yeah, show me your spray booth. You're not a real painter. Okay, so um, it has been an honor of a lifetime here to to be groomed for the PCA Board of Directors. Now, this may be one of those things like you volunteer, you get elected to a position of leadership. Um, I serve on a lot of community boards, veteran stuff, things like that. And, and some of them are very serious. Some of them are more, yeah, you know, we're, it's happy, fun time, things like that. This is a business Mm -hmm. and there are lots of things going on at a way higher level than even some of our businesses are doing. And it is the biggest lesson that I've got. And you did a really good job prepping me for this was leading from a board of directors, which is remarkably different from unilaterally, being a dictator in my own painting right. business. I could show up Monday and just say, hey guys, guess what? We're a commercial company. All of you are fired and we're going to a sub model right now. 
and everybody would have to take that because that's how it works. Oh, sorry, I don't want to do that. But leading from a board, you have one vote. And in fact, you would think that the board chair could basically drive it, but you you even mentored and guided me to say, actually, you shouldn't vote if you did if you don't have to, and you shouldn't even give your opinion really. You are the facilitator of this. You're in charge of vision, you're in charge of strategy, and you're not even in charge of the operations. Our executive director is. And really you need to draw a clear line between stepping in and saying, don't hire that employee. Like you need to have the vision and then make sure that vision is carried out. A accurate portrayal of what yeah, you've been doing I think, for a, I think it's a difference of uh, hard power and soft power. Mm. And it's the hard power is what you described. Like I can force you to do something. Uh, I have control. Yeah. Uh, soft power is I can influence you. Influence. Right? Yeah. And this yep, is like yep. as a board chair, like obviously the board elected you to be chair for a reason. Yeah. Right. And so uh, you certainly have a lot of soft power. Yeah. Right? You have influence on the board. You can help guide things and direct things. You don't have hard power though. Yeah. Right. And set up in a structure where it prevents uh, these authoritarian rulers yes. from taking over and using yeah. hard power to control things. Yeah. Um, Instead, it is it's more soft power. It's the difference between leading and managing. We yes. talked about this at, at your retreat. Yes, uh, they'll be held in August, which I won't be going to. But so somebody somebody's taking your seat. You know, That's normally right. I have the master suite and you have the office next to me. So now we have this we have this room. I would typically never ever miss it. However, uh, to rent an RV in Alaska, you have to reserve it very far ahead of time. So it's just unfortunately got double booked. We'll be thinking about you, and uh, you'll have to apply again for the seat <laughs> come winter. So, but managing managing is more. You know, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to help you to do it. Yep. But I ultimately have control. Yep. And I'm going to lead the day-to-day -day results, drive the profit and loss, right? That's managing. Yep. Leading is more, I'm going to influence you. I'm going to try and affect culture. I'm going to try and get you to want to do something. Yep. Right? I can't manage you. Managing is do this, show me your calendar, uh, or there are consequences. Leading is how can I influence you to, to have you want to do this? Exactly. How do I cast a vision that you want to follow? Yeah. How do I find what makes you tick? Um, so one of the, like, uh, uh, it's been really fun to do this. And this is, so when we, when we talk meta, a couple steps up from that is you told me very early on, it's like, listen, not only are we servant leaders and we're going to do this naturally, we might as well find a good place to do it. But what a great lesson in high level leadership from a board of directors. When am I going to get a chance to lead from a board of directors? It's likely my company in the next couple of years is not going to have a board of directors and shareholders. Right. right? It's pretty cool too. Yeah. I just speak to the quality of the board that we have now. Oh, I mean, when we were at a, <laughs> so it's certainly got a big upgrade when Christian Militello <laughs> but he, I would say even even when Christian was on at the last strategy session, uh, I just sat back and reflected in that room. I was like, if I was going to start a company and I could have this group of people on the board helping make the decisions and guide the direction, that would. How do I lose? I know. Right? How do I? How does how does this go poorly with it would, this caliber of people? It would be an outlier for something weird to trickle through this. And, and now I'm in a situation where like it's not a business; it's an association that these people don't have any incentive to do outside of desire of goodwill. Yeah. I'm like, this is in some ways even better. Yes, right? exactly. And yep. it's like, yep. uh, so just the caliber of people and that's kind of, you know, how do you, how do you use your soft power yep. for the benefit of not just yourself or the association, but for the benefit of all the directors yep. on there, mm -hmm. help them have the biggest impact that they can have individually. Yep. Right? Cause everybody's there to, to lead and yep. to serve and to, to give of themselves for the benefit of other people. And so you're kind of thinking like, okay, how do I help this person have a benefit 
for the for other people knowing that that's why they're here and we we are very present and we acknowledge the fact that this thing is full of servant leaders because constantly people come up to us and ask how do you get involved so the i sense that you sense that and we guided a sort of message back to the people where i had a 15 minute opportunity to address the entire expo and i basically said here come some masks all you guys money where your mouth is all you want to get involved guess what that was a great speech if you missed it nick's gonna be knocking and and guess what i've done it about 14 times and 14 times people have been like i'm here to serve every time and in a big way and to the point where um soft leadership and hard leadership um there are some things you can do as a leader, like start your own marketing committee and put Chris Elliott as yeah. the leader of it. And then he builds it out. And now we're going to get out and do some outreach and make sure that we get more members. We have a big expo and uh, that people know about us too. Yeah. So, and there are some, there are also some hard powers that you have, yep. you know, you bylaws and pilot policy, old pilot policy and bylaws. Your uh, favorite. It's the thing that makes me throw up. Which I actually can. do enjoy. Uh, <laughs> they do give you several hard powers, but you want to be diplomatic in how you start loving those oh, out. God, yeah. You know, a great example is you kind of led to uh, the micromanaging of day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. You can, in a lot of ways, step in and say, I want this decision made or that decision made. Yeah. To the extent that you keep making that over and over and over, it's hard to retain talent. Uh, it's hard to get people to work on your side. Yeah. Right. And so there are many ways um, that you can use hard power. This is a good life lesson. Uh, there's a lot of ways that soft power helps you get the job done. Yeah. All right. Um, so it's very, I'll just say it's very similar. Sorry to just interrupt you. It's no, very similar even like Paris painting. Right? Yeah. So I don't do anything in the day to day, week or month to month at Paris painting. We have a president that runs Paris painting. Um, I sit on the board, obviously the largest shareholder of the company, mm-hmm. but I could in theory, you know, try and use some hard power and come in and say, uh, we're going to do this Yeah. <laughs> or no, you can't, it'd be more like you can't do this. So you have to do this. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. I would never do it. But like, Hey, you know, Alex is our president. And let's say he came and said, hey, our director of marketing came to us. He did analysis. We're going to change the logo to blue. And I'd say over my dead body, <laughs> I bled for that orange. And you will never change it to blue. And now I actually may do that. So that, <laughs> I, I that. Or, or I might say, like, gosh, I really love that orange. Uh, but I know that if I keep stepping in yeah. and making you not – because if you, if you step in too much, now your president doesn't feel like they have the autonomy yes. to have yeah. – um, ownership of the outcome mm-hmm. of their responsibilities, right? So if they can't own their, if they can't own the responsibilities that they've been tasked with, yeah. right? And then they can't affect the outcome. Now they're, one, it's hard to attract and retain top talent. Yeah. Two, they start to, it'd be, for me, it'd just be very human nature to put your hands up and say. They feel neutered, yeah. Yeah, they feel, feel neutered. Yeah. Uh, the, another thing you could say is like, well, I really like the orange. However, there's a reason why we hired a director of marketing. That's the yeah. direct marketing better than I could do it. There's also a reason why I hired the, a president, which is to deliver a profit at the end of the mm-hmm. year to the shareholders. If you're telling me that we're going to have better marketing and we're going to deliver better profit, go for it. That's an, that's a discussion I'm open right. to. Right yeah. now, a time where you may step in and play the neuter card is uh, let's say there was like a, a value on misalignment. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, Hey, here's this employee and he's doing these really bad things, but he's getting good results and say, Hey, Ownership card, not a core value fit. Yeah, uh, yep. I've tasked you with not just delivering a uh, profit, but also upholding the core values. Yeah, we're making this decision whether you like it or not. Or if net promoter score took a huge dip, like you guys are making a great profit, but all the clients are unhappy, right. things like that. You right. step in and say you're devaluing my asset, right? Right, right. So like a 
like an operations leader might be more incentivized by the year-to-year -year results, mm -hmm. right? The quarterly, the quarterly results, yeah. corporate capitalism, Pookie, we were talking about. <laughs> Capitalists often central drive, drive towards short-term incentives, which is one of the drawbacks, but there's also the positives that we talked about as well. Yep. Um, as opposed to, yeah, then the best, the, I mean, the best scenario is where you get your, your operations leader or driver aligned to long-term the long-term yep. equity as well. Yep. And there are many different structures in which you can do that. Yep. But sometimes you have to come in and say, hey, for the value of the asset, we're going to actually have less profit this year. Right. And that might hurt you. And let's work through that. How do I how do I keep you happy in this scenario? What's what's best for the value of the business? Yep. All right. So um the big thrust of all this is we want to give you guys a peek but uh behind the PCA because most of you know the PCA as podcasts webinars, me, Jason, Expo, things like that. It is a ripping professional organization that legitimately wants to make this industry better. And weekly, daily, monthly, quarterly, our focus is amassing the greatest group of thought leaders and talent in the industry as servant leaders to give back to this industry, to make it easier so that when the next Nick and Jason show up and be like, wow, what is this whole like i like painting but what is this all about where where's the end in all this they can't but stumble over us yeah. and find that thing and it's like oh my god look at all these resources what the heck you know yeah the people that have <laughs> happened to find the pca i've already seen just a market shift right in the last yeah. couple of years yeah. of uh it's just so funny to think about it was <laughs> four or five years ago i came to my first pca expo and it was like one crossing into two million bucks and people were like oh my goodness Millennial millionaire Jason. That's right? it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was like, wow, multiple millions yep. in residential. And now we go to the expo and I meet like this 20, 25, you know, 25 year olds, 26 year olds, 22 year olds. And they're like, yeah, I did like 2 million last year, but I'm really hoping to scale next year. Really hoping to scale. Really, just exactly, really hoping yeah. to get some growth, you know? Yeah. It's like, and uh, just the expectations and, and the people that are stepping into the industry now are a lot more business minded. Yeah. So I think that is that downward effect is starting to happen. Um, but yes, it's a lot of it is by happenstance of finding, of walking into the PCA it and it's not like the PCA is a magic bullet, but it does help imprint a culture into individuals. You're never going to find lower hanging fruit. <laughs> and you can imprint culture at a formation period, yep. whether it's in a business or an individual, that's how you, uh, maybe enact a larger culture of a society or an industry. Yeah. So <clears throat> shifts in the industry, which is the next thing I want to talk about, which is you're dabbling on now, which is that we kind of showed up and we were the young people. We're doing weird stuff. You're doing a full sub model. You're scaling. You want shareholders. I was ripping on the W2 model. We got finishing shop. We got craftspersonship. We got, you know, cream colored uniforms. And we're both we're both looking for the same thing just going at it a couple different ways. And we were kind of novelties at the start. And you really were the one, people don't know this, it's been so many years ago, but you were the one to kind of introduce me to job costing and all this other stuff. And it is exactly what I needed. And so I always felt hypocritical over the over the last bunch of years where it's like, oh, you're not job costing? Like literally five years ago, I never heard of it, you know? Yeah. But <clears throat> I do like to see that shift now. When you and I travel the country and we're talking master's classes, we're doing events, things like that, Five years ago, you'd say job costing and you'd see people 
wet their pen and be like job costing, you know, this and that. Now go to ask chiefs tonight. Exactly. <laughs> but nowadays you say, Hey, who's job costed? Two thirds of the room is like, yeah, I just started job cost. That's what you do. Right. I left yeah. corporate America. That's the first yeah. thing you would obviously do. <laughs> if I didn't job cost, I could lose money. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I Meanwhile, we're just like, wow, that is, that is a shift, right? So that is a monster. Uh, we love seeing that. Um, so now, um, we have been using a whole bunch of sort of industry benchmarks and standards a lot over the years. And this is something this year that internally and then externally I'm going to change, which is when we started 55 bucks of revenue was kind of an internal benchmark. And we have blown past that now um, for some portions of my company, we use 65. I would now argue that 75 is the new low benchmark of revenue generation per hour in our industry. How say you, Jason Paris? So yeah, there's like, uh, I think there's inflation is never ceasing, right? Uh, the Federal Reserve can never run out of money. It's going to always print more money. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. This is another element of kind of unique novelty of capitalism. It's not baked into it, but the Federal Reserve is neither a federal entity, nor is it a reserve of money, right? It is a... Uh, kind of this third wing, kind of fourth wing of government that is allowed to affect monetary policy. And uh, we call it the Federal Reserve. And there's a lot of shenanigans, not shenanigans, there's a lot of well thought out things that happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, so inflation is never ceasing. Fla inflation will never end, right? It's part of how uh, late stage capitalism yep. creeps up. And, which is so there, there is the, the, the invisible hand also, of the market that shifts that, but also- The professional, okay. Thank but you. but also professionalization of the industry is forcing a, a higher wage and i yep. say it's not like professionalizing it's more like the omittance of martyrdom yes <laughs> and, that's uh, right yeah most painting companies go to business in two to three years because they're bidding out of price jobs <laughs> out of price pricing or out of business, business pricing out of, out of business, business pricing, pricing. yeah and well and that, that goes back to that fallacy that jason will only pay me 30. i'm going off on my own and i'm charging 40. which works until you have your first client doesn't pay you uh, you get sick and have the flu. Uh, you have employee that isn't very productive. Uh, you learn what taxes are, yep. right? Any of those things. Or you're that, sick of working 150 hours a week. One of your vans breaks down. There's no margin. There's no profit. Yep. You've built yep. yourself an okay job, an okay right? Job. But you don't have a business that With has the margin, right? That has the margin for sustainability, uh, or scale, but you yep. can even, you can say small, but you still need sustainability and that, that martyrdom, that out of business pricing, yep. Starting to admit that from the market just has a, an inherent lift to it. Do you think, this is something that I've wondered all the time. I don't know if we, we can ever prove this, but do you think <clears throat> people in the painting industry are largely on a whole more martyr dummy and more servant leadery than like plumbers? Because I have this stereotype that when I go around and talk to painters, they're like, well, listen, I can't possibly raise my prices anymore because I really want to take care of my clients and deliver a good product. I don't know that electricians have ever said that, right. or maybe this is just my stigma of like, you know, I, do you, do you think that that is something unique to painting, which is we're just like martyrs, not like, uh, for, uh, <coughs> it always hasn't probably, probably like never has that ever been said, but now for sure. Yeah. Right. Painting is like a lot, like we may even be lagging behind demo work right? as far as like, Oof. as yeah. far as like, uh, understanding the value of, of need and business. So, yeah. There's that element of it. And a lot of this is, you know, what do we need to charge to treat our clients well, but also treat the employees well and treat the business well, well yeah. right? Because if the business isn't treated well, 
guess what? The employees no longer have a business to go to. Yeah. And the clients don't have longer have a business to go call. But I've seen this too, where, and, and especially coming from introverted, passive aggressive Midwesterners like us, you start resenting everybody because you're giving of yourself to employees. You're giving of yourself to your clients of the community. Sure. And meanwhile, you can barely pull together two nickels. You start resenting everybody and everything around you start resenting Sherwin Williams because you have to pay for your paint. You resent everything, yeah. you know, and, and that's not, we are often the last ones we take care of because we think some, I have a feeling somehow people think profit is evil because we come from this master well, point of view. Pookie, and <laughs> some would say uh, that profit is inherently theft from the wages of the some proletariat and that the bourgeoisie are stealing through violence whenever mm. they profit a dollar. It's aggressive. Yeah. So that is out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It, but it, there but is it, no incentive. I would just say if you know, I would if I were going to run a business and not earn a profit, I'd rather stay home and watch Netflix all day. Yeah. And not, not watch Netflix all day. Probably play Call of Duty Mobile. Right? Yeah. Go volunteer uh, for the PCA. Yep. Go volunteer. So there's there's that. I'm not going to get into that actually. It's a big fallacy of incentives and competition. So here's the deal: if you file with the state of Minnesota as a business, you do your LLC, technically you're a business owner sure. on paper. Yes. It's just an entity, but there's some you, semantics we'll walk through, you may right? still own a job. And if you're only taking home $60,000 a year, you're only making $30 an hour. If you work 40 hour weeks, there is no business owner, sole proprietor who's working 40 hour a week. So now you're working 80 hours a week. So now you're making $15 an hour. So that is a bad job because both you and I could open up the checkbook and pay that person much more and there'd be no risk. This is not us telling you, give up your dreams and do that. This is the difference between, we need to get over this idea of, as an employee, I can make $30 an hour. As a business owner, you need to be producing at least 75. And I would argue, when you look back at the data from when I was a sole proprietor, I was doing 150 to 200 to $250 an hour, depending on the job because we are thoughtful, we are good, we've met, we've done many decades. If you're a sole proprietor and you're producing less than $100 an hour, I would say you're doing something wrong. You either need to be a better craftsperson or you need to charge more or both. Right, yeah, you talked about kind of the inherent risk. So not only do you have like a, a mediocre job, but you're carrying a lot of risk and liability. Right? People you don't have workers comp, uh, you get one twisted ankle, the income goes away. Yeah. You have a lot of downside. That you, let's say Huge. you spill paint on some fancy hardwood floor yeah. and uh, your insurance covers some of it, but not all of it. Because most people don't read through their policies. They get the minimum needed. And so yeah. they actually get hit with something hard. It's it's pretty painful. Um, but that, that risk is invisible until it happens to you. Right. The price of paint is not invisible. So we rally against our vendors and we yeah. think paint is the thing holding us back when really... We need to price in that risk. And the difference between making $30 as an employee, charging 45 as an uninformed business owner, um, you're not pricing in anything. Like li uh, insurance for my company is about $110,000 a year for that. That is something that you need to take into account because that's the thing you have to pay for. Now, it's easy because we come to terms with, you know, the Sherwin-Williams, the Benjamin Moore bill. There's a lot of inherent risk, you know, like doing half of all your estimates for free every year. Right. Right. And now, and it's like, not only that, but what is the, the value of your bundle of skills? Yeah. Right? So if you took, the, the, took this bundle <clears> of skills into something else, you would say, hey, Target, I'm going to uh, prospect for new business. I'm going to procure uh, production sources. I'm going to facilitate the client interaction. I'm going to make the goods and then put them on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do like, 
you get clean paid, up the store when we're done. You get paid quite a bit of money to do what <laughs> most business owners do, right? Now, the benefit of being a painter <laughs> is you don't have to pass a drug test, right? Yeah. So I, think, I do think there's an element of what has – this is like we're painting a lot of negative light. And people I can – if you have mean things to say to me, just send them to me on Twitter because I never check Twitter, so it's just fine. <laughs> uh, but it's like – there's a lot of negative light that we spread of like a big reason I think people start throwing pain coming to is that not pat you know it's back drug test and they don't have to work for someone that because they're not good at having somebody tell them what to do yeah so there I think I think That's most I think a lot of our industry and we're gonna get to some questions here I think a lot of our industry is stuck between master craftsperson and entrepreneur they're in that middle phase where they can't find a good fit they want to have more autonomy they want to make more decisions but they're not quite there they're not. They can't immerse themselves in a PL and in commercial insurance and things that they're Which just, is fine. Yeah. Don't run a business. Yeah. <laughs> running a business means you are now owning a PL. Yeah. You are now running a business. Mm -hmm. You are a business owner, you have to run the business. This is like one of the challenges is we have so many business owners that are not running businesses because yeah. they don't know how to run businesses. Yeah. And they're not good at running businesses. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. Time, no. But it's like this reality of if you want to be an employee painter mm -hmm. and uh or, or manage a couple of people go and then, but then you start, there's a lot of empathy there too, because mm -hmm. there are no companies to go work for yeah. that are quality. That's it. And I say no, because you know, you're dealing with like, yes, you have a great company and I have a great company. A lot of the PCA members have great companies and there are other great companies out there. But in general, if you're a painter who is looking to get into the industry, you're going to be pretty disillusioned when you start to go into the marketplace yeah. and try and find somebody that has a few basics. If you randomly call the nearest five companies close to you, you're probably going to find the stereotype that we were talking about before, which is a grumpy old guy who basically will have no contact with you, um, hire you, give you something, never review you, not tell you what to do, and just yell at you when you're not producing all this amazing There's work. no good people out there There's no getting the painting. Now, we are getting a little spicy, but this is why Jason is here. I love is, painters. I think everybody's yeah. great and they're the best. But when we say professionalization, and, and anybody who's ever been to my master's class or ever listened to Ask a Painter Live before, we are not saying you need to be a shareholder. We are saying that if I could do this all over again, I would take all my steps to professionalization, all the business accelerator training that we created for the PCA. You can apply it to a single person company. And actually that will help you price in that risk and get rid of that crazy roller coaster. Of what do you charge for X? How do you schedule? How can I find my first employee? Just all that stuff that keeps us up at night. That is all solved with being a professional. It doesn't even mean you need to have an employee. It just reduces the yeah. stress and shows you how to run a business because guess what? It is not a choice to run a business. If you file and you have an LLC, you have to do this. It is not a choice for you anymore. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. So questions. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's go through Facebook. Yeah. I would just say a lot of it is not a, it's just, it's, it's exposure, right? Getting yeah. exposed to those concepts. You're getting exposed to the how to, it's not an intelligence thing. A lot of people think like, oh, I could never be smart enough to do that. I'm just could never do it. It's like, well, if you, if you get exposed to it a little bit, once, once people are exposed to job costing, they naturally pick it up if they want to be. Well, you can't owner. hide from it anymore because, you know, I mean, it's it's the ultimate accountability, which is you can't. I mean, it's, good luck asking. Good luck asking. If somebody, well, there's that, too. Yeah. But if you try and ask like Nick and I for help on something, we're probably going to ask, like, have you tried the basics? Yeah. Right? It's hard for me to. To help you unless there's like the basics of business if you're not doing the basics of business yeah. here's some ways to get into that flow yeah yeah and it's it's one of those things it, 
often, oftentimes, again, listen, industry, you guys know we love you. We are serving this industry with every ounce of our being that we can. But oftentimes when we talk to somebody, they're like struggling. They're like, hey, um, what's the best marketing? And we're like, okay, we got a couple questions first. Like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? What market are you serving? Kind of generally, what are you charging? What's your job costing look like? You ask about four or five questions and you're really good at this. And you soon to find out that, well, listen, I'm only working three days a week. I took three months off this winter just to kind of, you know, hang out. And this is, it's like, a number one, you own a business. You need to operate all the weeks of the year. Like let's, let's start with that as a thing. And then we'll figure it out from there. You know? Or, or lose money. And I'd say that is also yep. an option. Like there are, yep. there are models of business where you do a startup Yep. and the shareholders are okay losing money. Mm-hmm. to start knowing that eventually you'll build into a business that's going to be sustainable. Yep. If you're the shareholder, <laughs> you're not okay losing money and you don't think you're going to build something sustainable. Don't do that model. So well, by, by tax code, the little bit of uh, tax accounting that I picked up in college was if you for three successive years run at a negative or a loss, technically the IRS will classify you as a hobby. It is not a business. A what? A hobby? Hobby. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I still haven't found anybody that they enacted this on because there are some penalties to this thing because you can't just start a business and run it at a loss for time and eternal. Right. So um, they will actually reclassify you. Don't tell the post service that. (laughs) Now, the interesting thing about the post service spooky is that it's it's more of a public good. Right. So people oftentimes, and I'm, trust me, I, I, I go towards fiscal responsibility. The people think of the post office and they say, oh, it's mismanaged and poorly run because it's running at a loss. It's a public service, right? You could say our military runs at a loss, a profit loss, what probably gets more return than it actually spends. So it's maybe a bad example. But you do have to look at all those soft goods, those soft benefits that we get from the post office, not just the hard costs and hard hard income. What are you drawing, Pookie? There's the squirrel on the building that you sell with the cracker. Yeah. Squirrel with a cracker. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. We had... Oh man, Peter Burke. Great to hear you guys talking about this. I didn't start my business until I was 38 after being in several different businesses in retail and manufacturing. That's what gave me the edge. I was a business person before I was a painter. Experience is a tough thing to teach. You guys are doing a great job. Okay. Also, there's there's an element of business talent has not been tried. So we talked about what's wh- who is starting painting companies? Painters who are upset with uh, who they're working for. Yes. 100%. Who is yeah. not starting painting companies? People who run businesses. Yep. Why, and so there's two of us that are like, why are, why are painters starting companies instead of working at, instead of working at companies? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's because all the companies are garbage, right? And they're, they're mean to their employees and their employees get dissolutions and they want to yeah. leave and start their own company. How, the, the check to this is how many people are starting up paint manufacturers? You don't. You go work for Hirschfields or Sherwin or Benjamin Moore. I, was, I, was, I want to get. There's this other side of the coin, which is top business talent is also not getting into the industry. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Like, top business talent gets into many other industries. Yeah. Right? Why would it never get into painting? And there's like there's several reasons for that. One is that there's top talent wants to build equity. They want to build profit. They don't yep. want to build hard jobs. <laughs> yeah. And the example yeah. of what the painting industry has been is here's a hard job that could get a little bit easier could get quite a bit easier mm-hmm. and maybe you're going to make dentist money someday right that's like the pinnacle of what could happen top business talent is an interest in that right? special guest production manager holly just holly. showed up hey holly, holly how's it holly 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 very bad song. that's what you get for walking through ask a painter <laughs> four-day work week is a lie <laughs> servant leaders um, leadership team does not work for work. Okay. Um, Steve, uh, Steve Lockwood, big friend of the show. I think painters on the brink of greatness. We're getting there. Yeah. 
Bernie Yancey, unregulated trades businesses have always had a fear of overvaluating their services because of fear of competition. I think part of it comes from just uh, insecurity as well because they don't know the profit. They don't really understand the business. And it's this idea of, uh, okay, it doesn't matter how much you charge. There's a very similar percentage of people are going to say that you're charging too much. One of the greatest things that I picked up from your beloved Micah, your VP of sales, yeah. right? Micah is a deeply wise salesperson, empathetic. He loves humans. And when I, before I hired my first estimator and salesperson, my beloved estimator, Andy, I had lunch with him and he told me something that still sticks with me today. Well, two things, which is always hire for core values and who cares if they can do it or not. And number two, it's the third, third, third thing. A third of the people will never buy from you. No matter what you do, no matter how much you give it away, no matter how much yeah. benefit. They're going to do it themselves. They're yep. not actually going to do it this year. Yep. They were never going to be a client. A third will always buy from you. Like it doesn't, you, I mean, the thing you always say, unless you throw up on their shoes, they're yeah. going to buy. And sometimes even then they will buy from you because I nobody gave, else will answer their phone. If you gave Pookie uh, <laughs> a couple of proposals and her door to the Explorer backpack. Yeah. She could probably go sell with her investments. Yeah, absolutely. And number three, I believe that, uh, see you, Holly. Bye, guys. Holly, Holly, <laughs> Holly. Have a good weekend. <laughs> and, uh, Third, that middle and, third. And, and the middle third can be swayed. Yeah. And and so when you think about it, okay, I can't prove or disprove this because I'm, I haven't taken the actions to prove or disprove this. But when you think about the industry benchmark SR in our industry being 50%, that means you start with a base of 30. Yep. And then if you can get 47, 50%, First that means all. you're swaying two thirds yeah. of the swayable people. That's actually a pretty good really percentage. Good. Yeah. Okay. You were going to dispute that. I just, <laughs> I, I see it in your face. Who here knows how to use Excel? <laughs> uh, who is doing this math in their head? Who has done the math on paper? It's kind of like, yeah, we talked about chat GPT the other day. Yeah. I was like, we are still getting the industry to try and adopt Google spreadsheets or Microsoft email signatures. Email, like these are things like the industry is not adopting chat GPT no. today, but there are businesses that will. Yeah. I'll just further, further stratify the haves and the have-nots in the industry. And that's common. And and the big thing uh, that they were talking about is competition, which is the one thing that you did very well when we started the flagship gathering group, the first gathering group in the United States, the Gathering of Minnesota Painters, our beloved GOMP, is you were smart enough to sense that competition is going to be a problem because you're a boogie in yep. the Twin Cities. Yep. As far as I can tell, you, you have... 10 to 50 million dollars worth of painting services that you somewhere have in there range, somewhere yeah. somewhere in there the and moment. jason is a boogeyman when you get him in a in a room everybody clams up because they're like especially and this was also when i had the twisty mustache the, like uh yeah. the, the railroad tycoon who was it the evil oh, railroad guy yep, yep, mustache? Yep, so yep. Are, yeah you were a villain i was a villain you you made it easy I for people but um the, so the thing is uh People thought that, well, as long as Jason Paris is operating in the Twin Cities, he has sucked up all the available oxygen. Why am I even operating? And you did a masterful thing, which is you created a spreadsheet. At the end of it, it basically showed that you maybe had 2% of the market, leaving 98% for the rest of us. And you saw a collective in the room at our first meeting. And now these are people that we get together often with. I mean, when in my local gap, in my local New Prague Happenings, the town we're in right now, Rob Lenzen, one of my best friends in the industry, they mention him more than me, and this is my hometown. And guess what? I'm happy for it because clients are going to be well served here. So now, once you get over that competition thing, you realize that you don't need to lower your prices because there is such a demand for professionalized home services that we think that other painters are the competition. Yeah. 
There's we two, are our own competition. There's two comments. Yeah, there's two comments on that. I don't know if you remember the dinner we had in Chicago the first time I met yep. you in person. Yep. And oh, uh, <laughs> you, you remind me often. <laughs> All right. One of the things you said was like, uh, "Hey, like, I don't know, man. Like, should I just stay out of like what 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 territory can I have, Jace?" And I was yeah. like. How are we going to divide this up? <laughs> like, and, I, and it was like you, uh, you, me, Chris Shank, and our and the former ED there. And I was just like, I'll be honest, I'm not concerned about competing yep. with you. Yeah. And, and you're like, oh no. And listen. I was like, and I was like, well, not because I don't think you'd win. I think yeah. you should win every yeah. bid that we go head to head on. Yeah. Uh, if I think you should win those. Yep. Just for the value prop that you had, the time, and the prices you are charging. <laughs> uh, I was like, I think you should win, but I just don't think you're going to have enough infrastructure to make yeah, I'll do 50 that. jobs a year. Yeah. Like go get those 50 jobs a year. I'll do, yeah. I'll do other jobs. Yeah. So it was kind of like uh there was that, I just remember that you remind me of that, but the, okay. So that's one other thing I'll get to in that conversation. That's I needed that kind of talk because yeah. I'm at that time I've been in 25 years immersed yeah. in my father's version of the business. <laughs> I needed that shock to get, cause it was like, we were thing. getting along, like we got along. Yeah. We're like we're both in the same like metro area, yeah. and you're like, "Hey man, like, so what area should I take?" I assume to? that that's the conversation two business owners would have. Like, obviously, and obviously, was, we should divide up the twin cities. That was that what? Because then I said that, and like the there were two other people who you say are like our leaders in the industry, and yeah. both like, "What?" They're like, "I don't understand." Because yeah. that because they expected that conversation yeah. to go that way. I yeah. think absolutely. Um, yeah. The yeah. other thing was that that group dynamic of, "Hey everybody." You know what would happen if everybody here had 100 painters? Let's just map this yeah. out. Let's go yeah. with the gallons of paint that are sold in the area that we're willing to. Worst case scenario: What if we're all Jason Paris's right. in this room? And uh, that's an example of soft power. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the hard power to say, "Listen, everybody. Yeah, you're going to be a gomper. Yeah, uh, you're going to promote this. You're going to do it. We're going to sign you a territory <laughs> so that you benefit other people. Yeah, and I'm going to make you help other people. <laughs> like I don't have the power. I don't have the hard power yeah. to make people help yeah. other people. But there is a way to soft power influence them, so it's what they want to do. It's and part huge. of that is laying down that that framework to say, okay, this is something that I can do. It's an option in my mind. There's a lot of psychology around people. You can't convince something to someone to do something if it's not a possibility of an option in their mind. Yes. So you say, yeah. like, hey, I want you to do this. It's like, well, I could never see myself doing that. Yep. But once they can start to see themselves doing that, it's now an option or a path. It's like uh, there's a part of their brain that like shuts down things that are just mm -hmm. impossible. Yeah, So the one thing I think Nate Jameson. You, you no, don't don't that could be a, a bad website. His name yeah, is, don't do that. Don't <laughs> scrap that. We don't have an editor, Jason. I can't uh, tell anybody to take just that out. Take so. that out. No, Nate yeah. Jameson's a good friend of mine. He taught me that. I'm just gonna make sure that's not like a next website. Uh oh no, no bueno. All right, let me get to a couple more questions here. Uh, let's see. Steve Lockwood learned so much from you guys. Rubio's painting. Good morning, Nick. Okay. I'm it's, starting it's with not the a website. His, it's his name. It's not a website. Okay, good. You're all safe. Also, um, all of holdings is with an S. If you go all of holding, all of holding. Those are other dudes. I follow them Israeli. You know what's funny? I, I, I followed them too. And I see a whole bunch of other painters on there too. So they, they must be like, wow, we're really killing it with yeah. house painters in the United States. This here. is like an Israeli defense <laughs> holdings company called all of holding. All of holding. They've actually approached me for partnership. Yeah. I thought I, I was expecting to see you or Chet, All but it was holdings. <laughs> uh, now I have a defense contract in Albania, <laughs> so it's great. <laughs> Capitalism is inherently violent. Yes, it Capitalism is. Capitalism is violent. Rubio's worse. painting. Starting with flyers in the upcoming week. I'm, I'm a painting contractor from San Diego. Awesome. Uh, if you want to make life easier, Jesse Allen owning a business successfully has processes. Just a painting 
just a painting successfully does. Mm -hmm. uh, there's yeah. no shortcut, yeah. just better systems. Alex Leg, I'm a 20 plus year painter, been running my business entirely wrong forever. You guys just explained my company. I'm here to get better. Appreciate what you're doing. Yes. And so Jason and I put our money where our mouth is and um, we created something called Business Accelerator with the PCA, which is and for anybody who follows Mastering the Basics with Ask a Painter, it's a distillation of that. It's a distillation of your life and how you became a shareholder in your company. We combined our two experiences. We grabbed a whole bunch of subject matter experts, pe like people you know and love from the SMEs. industry. SME. SME. Painters are bad at grammar. Jason, you of all people. Come on, man. That's, so I need spell check. Yeah. Uh, you probably had simple sugar this morning. So. <laughs> You're dying. <laughs> Gluten, actually. Then you gave her capitalism lesson. So yes. Uh, so we distilled it down to a business accelerator, which is a learning management system. You get in a cohort of people, you meet virtually. Jason and I pop in every once in a while to answer questions. And we basically put you through a boot camp and a crash course of how to professionalize your business. So right now on the PCA's website, we have classes starting every month that you can get in. You can watch Ask a Painter. You can contact Jason. Sometimes he gets back to you. The PCA has a million resources for you out there. And uh, yeah, basically, we're trying to create in year one of when we started our businesses, if we would have had the PCA, could you imagine the pain and friction that we would have been able to alleviate just by connecting with these people? It would have been remarkable. Just remarkable. Probably more so for me. You it's, already came in with a business mind, but me, I could have saved years even then, of tears running just, down my face. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad. Wow. <laughs> no, business is hard too. There's, there's a reality that no matter what you do, business will always be hard. Yep. Oh, we oh I I was I've been thinking about this interaction we had yeah. with we there's nothing that invigorates us more than seeing these young, hotshot 23-year-olds. Yeah. Sometimes two to three at a time where they're friends, they're yeah. partners, and they're starting up a painting company. They got some employees. They're already doing subs. They're pressure washing, doing concrete coatings. And they come up to us and like, oh, my God, we've been following you guys forever. Then we feel like the old dudes in the industry all of a sudden. But been. there was one conversation that sticks out in my mind, which is I'm the guy that's like, oh, my God, it's so good to be doing this with you. This is so great. I love what you guys are doing. And then you say, you do this thing. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, statistically, you're probably going to fail. Yeah. But... It, there's a better likelihood that you're not going to do well. So don't ever, it's good that Nick says that, but a lot of people are going to say that to you. Yeah. But also remember, this is hard. Yeah. You have to do a lot of things consistently really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forget who we were talking to, where it was, but that conversation stuck up my head, which is like, yeah, they probably need to hear that, which is if it ever feels hard, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's some of the, that was like my go-to advice. Do you want to do candy? No, she wanted a whiteboard, not candy. All right, Pookie, you can draw on that uh, whiteboard. That was my go-to advice for a while when yeah. I was first getting introduced to people. Was yep. um, like, what's the number one piece of advice you do? It's like, it is hard, and it's it's okay yeah. for things to be hard. Yeah, and that's kind of the island approach of like, is it just me? Is it just yeah. me? Or is having kids hard? <laughs> is everybody else just like tiptoeing through the uh, painting business tulips here? It's like so. Whether it's yeah, it's just me, or is like marriage hard? It's just me. Is having kids hard? just me or is running a business hard right and that's where you get into these yeah. communities of people and you help each other and a lot of helping each other is saying hey what you're doing is hard i did it it was hard and uh there's nobody who's i hope, I hope you like doing hard things because yeah it and, and the more professional you get the bigger you get the harder it is because founders are not typically professional general managers ceos things like that so i had to go through a transition in this last two years of 
being introduced to that thing of like, listen, I'm the owner of the company. I can either run it myself and have and be the only painter, or I could have a thousand people. It's all the same human. I'm a leader. And you and other people are like, typically, when you look at the rest of the world, the person who founds and scales a company is not then the person to do that. I mean, look at Elon Musk. He hands his companies off to somebody else because look at all he's like, yeah, one of those things. So I've actually, because I can't afford a general manager or CEO yet, I have to be conscious of that. And I have to tell myself it's going to be hard. You have to do the day-to-day mundane, unsexy, consistent things that a professional CEO would do because you can't come in here with that founder mentality of everything changes today, you know, with that sort of thing. So, yeah. But I do, I do relay that bit of information often. You told me that often, or I think I heard you say that to somebody else too, which is, and I always credit you for it, which is, hey, just remember, this is hard. Yep. And and that was one of the most comforting things that you ever said to me, because yeah. it's like, if, if Jason said that, I'm like, okay, then, well, I'm not the only one then, because if it's hard for him, yep. you know, yeah. this guy. Yep, a high talk. Yeah. Stay hard, David Goggins. <laughs> no. Not a no. ice no. baths. No, ah. this is a family show, Jason. <laughs> Out of uh, forget about it. Uh, Oscar Milan, hello, Ryan. Sorry, I, I was scrolling through that. We will know the it. best marketing by understanding the fundamentals, tracking marketing numbers. Alex Legg, twenty-year painter. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Michael Sharp. It's because people with good businesses hire the terrible stereotype businesses, leaving the employees to those companies with no path. Brian Chemnitz, out of business pricing. That's it, man. Yeah. I did listen. This is me. We, we came to this as one of you guys. We have done this, right? I have been a single owner, martyr proprietor for way longer than I've been a business owner. I got serious in the last six years, give or take, going from one to 25 to 40, depending on time of the year. All that happened in the last little bit. So I have had one foot in that 100 hours a week, martyrdom, $18 an hour production rate, longer than I have with this sort of thing. So when we give a little tough love, we didn't get out of college, start a business, and have never done this before. This is like we have lived this life, so we can we can speak intentionally about this. School of life, you <laughs> School know, of life. School of hard knocks. All right, Ted Sharf. Working together as a trade group and sharing knowledge and dynamics will bring uh, fellow like-minded business owners, and it's going to be an incredible future. Yeah. So we are. We always talk about this changing time. A decade from now, this is going to be different. Right now, you proclaim that there's really not a lot of competition in the res repaint industry for this and that. That is not always going to be the case, no. right? No. As as, as more Paris's pop up, yeah, up. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Like five years ago, you didn't have to have a website. You didn't have to be on social media. You didn't have to job cost. Starting a farm was a lot more uh, bootstrappy 50 years ago. Yep. Good yep. luck starting a farm today without a lot of capital and a lot of business know-how. Yeah, you only need about four million bucks to have a basic. Yeah, we're really hobby well farm. with insurance yeah. companies and really understand futures and options markets. Yeah. If you want to start a farm today, they used to give land away for free. Yeah, that's that. Okay, I've never connected that dot. So there is. What's when really I started a painting company, they used to give business away for free. You yeah. just if you showed up to a client's house, you said, "We paint available." Thirty percent of the people are going to pick you no matter what. Say, he did say that he paints and. His available is a little And short. he was a human and I saw him. I would like to buy that <laughs> yeah. today. And there's going to be, there's like, uh, and every generation is like this, right? Yeah. Where people are going to look at, I know, I know 100% people are going to look at what I did and be like, but you had it so easy. Yeah, and so we easy. did. We did. And this is our point in time. And it's only going to get harder. It should be getting harder. This business should get a lot. This industry should get a lot more competitive. Yeah. That's going to benefit a lot of people. Yep. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot more difficult. If you think it's hard now to run a business, 
well, first, that's fine. Um, but it's going to get a lot harder. It's not going to get easier. We do know that. And because uh, when we talk about it, we'll get a lot more stable, a lot more, um, you know, I want to say like comfortable. That's not the right word. Like a lot of people are in this, this stressful dynamic of, and what I'm doing works. Oh, and like, yeah. is this a business? It's not a business. Like, is, and what there'll I be no question what to do. Can you do it? Right? Yep. Yeah. I think that, that's a general feeling because I think in the last five to 10 years, all of us have been like, I mean, what is a professional residential painting business? Is it 1 million? We used to, we used to think that the million dollar business was the hallmark. Now I would argue $3 million is a baby professional residential repainting. So I I would, I would define professionalism as you treat your employees well, your clients well, and your business well. That's professional. It's, but if you want to talk about, there's like, there's professional means a lot of different things, right? Yeah. There's there's like, do you have a company that has the inherent structure to afford opportunities and stability? Yeah, be probably north of three million dollars part being yes. afford that. Yep. But otherwise, yep. you have a nice self-employed model. Yep. But you can have a professional self-employed model, but like a professional business yep. that, that like begins to sniff the test of the, the turkey truck or whatever you call it. What's that thing you came up with the, that one time? You know me, turkey truck, data king. Um, <laughs> that would be like yeah, you're calling it like just north of three million, but that might be north of three million in 2018 dollars. Yeah. So I think, yeah. And that's going to be moving target, but I would say you're starting to fill out a lot of those areas where you have, yeah, yeah, you have a workforce, you have uh, project management, you have estimating, you have office coordination. And then typically even at 3 million, I wear lots of hats. I I could be the um, operations manager, the marketing manager, you know, the, the key accountability guy. I mean, I, at three is where it starts to get fun. Yeah, exactly. And then like you call it like the race to five and at five, like you're pretty stable. Yep. Somewhat yep. stable, right? And you can, you can, when we talk 10, about you're, you're a lot more stable at 10 than, to, than yeah. five, right? You're uh, at five. You've, you can really start beginning that journey of scaling. And from three to five is like, you're really building out the, I don't know, the stability pieces yeah. you call it. What's, what's really interesting is that we quantifying getting out of the bucket or setting the brush down is an interesting thing because it is as simple as getting four painters and then you don't have to paint anymore. And then now you have two crews and you can order the paint, do the estimates and do everything else. Technically you have put down the brush, but there's a continual putting down the brush, which is at somewhere between two and 3 million, you can, you can put down project management, estimating and office coordination. And sometimes somewhere at 5 million, you can put down actually running the business and making the decisions. If you are good at building businesses. Yes. And that's yeah. where like, my dream is to someday not have to paint. And I uh, just like to estimate and project manage and, you know, I hope to get there someday. You're four painters away from that. You could also get there today with a company and have no risk and no downside if these companies existed. And that's kind of the thing we yeah. keep talking about. If but... you if you found a Jason Paris, you will have a spot for an estimator, for a project mm-hmm. manager, for a coordinator, maybe even an RRP-led compliance guy. We have full time. <laughs> like... That's a full-time role in our company. Yeah. Thank you, EPA. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, that, like you said, it's uh, – actually, I forgot what I was going to say. What did you say? Oh yeah, you can you work yourself out to so then when you don't have the option to say most people want to be the president of their company. Yeah, and I think that's largely yeah. ego driven rather than uh, competency or skill driven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but some people are great presidents. They happen to be a great founder. They happen to be a great president. Even yeah. though those roles are typically antithetical to the characteristics and qualities of what make those two stereotypes successful. Yeah. Uh, but it can happen. But yeah, to give yourself the option to say, you know, what if I was not the president of my company? What if I was the uh, the founder and shareholder and we ran this from a board level? Right? Yep. What could that look like? Yep. That's, uh, that's another path in life. So we what, what our goal now is to, in the next decade, to take this industry and have successive thoughts, which is most most of the 
most of the really high revving people are like, how do I stop painting and run a business? That is the first initial thought that will seek out resources. But that could just be you having two crews of painters, but still doing everything, you know? So we need to take that thought and show all the next steps between that, which is what ha- what does it look like at a million, two, three, five, 10? What does it look like? And here what your role, here's what your role looks like. Here's the competency that it takes to get you there. And 10 million is not the final realization for everybody. That may not what people want, but having that scale from I'm a single sole proprietor to 10 million and having a menu of options in between, just so people can say, Oh my God, 3 million sounds awesome. I can still do the fun things. I can do a couple estimates. I can coach my team, but yet we have enough revenue where I can afford real project managers, real estimators. And and, and we have a replicable business I where wait, I can make people wear t-shirts with my face on it and they have to, to get paid. Uh, you can do that from a board level. <laughs> you can do that here. Well, you can soft power versus hard power. You use a lot of peer peer pressure, things like that. So, yeah, I think the lack of role models are introducing more role models. One big segments. Instagram comment. I'm just going to take a look at this stage. Sure yeah, I'm misnaming. Uh, Jason and Nick, thank you for your true grit, determination, and tireless effort to improve work life and improve family life while giving up your own time. Ah, I'm glad I read that one. That was a good one. <laughs> we like compliments. I love yes. words of affirmation. All right, let's see what else we got here. Our good friend Ryan Koishel from Minnesota here. Brian Chemnitz, some smart Semperfy. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, Ryan Koishel. Uh Koishel. Just kidding. Koishel. No idea how to pronounce it, Ryan. Uh I've never heard him say his last name. Uh, Did you know that Mark Polos is not pronounced Polos? What is it? It's something very different. I'm forgetting it. It's like Polos. Paul it's like very Paulus. It's something very different than Poulos. I feel bad. I feel very bad. I never say his last name either. Nick, I feel your leadership. I feel with your leadership ability, you may be at the stage where you could afford a general manager. What does Jason have to say about that? Where's my office? I could be. Well, listen, you you seem to have a lot of free time now. You want to <laughs> party down in New Prague with us? <laughs> Just, uh, go where I'm appreciated. <laughs> we'll give you a nice spot here, Jason, if you want. No, uh, so... Arguably, um, so Ryan, here's how I think about this, and and I'm 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 building out these sort of like industry benchmarks. Uh, I've been working on it for the last year that I want to kind of like throw out to the industry to get some feedback on, which is when can you afford an estimator? When can you afford a project manager? When can you afford an office coordinator? Now, what you're talking about, Ryan, is another stratosphere of management. We're managing managers, so we're all of a sudden getting into mid-level managers, which is. There's the technicians, the painters, the craftspeople. There's the people who manage those, the doers, the estimators, the project managers, the office coordinators. I sit above them right now holding everybody accountable, but I still have to do some seats. In order to afford somebody to run the company, it's likely that we're going to have to be at least $5 million, which would mean we're going to have to add at least one more project manager, one more estimator, and at least 10 more technicians in the field, subs or that. I would say even at that, you're going to have to pay this person $120,000, $160,000 in there. And in order to do that, that should probably be what percentage of revenue? 5% or less, give or take? For the GM? Yeah. I don't know. Or just, pay, just pay them the profits. Just pay but them a percentage of the profits. But but that is, that I is the next thinking. So right right now... If, they get to dictate how much they're going to make. Yes. But in order to hire a true professional general manager, not just somebody who shows up and does stuff, you're going to need a six-figure salary plus with some probably incentives to share in the – I would, yeah. To incentivize them, yeah, in, in the profits. You got to spend company. money to make money. So I always try and tell Nick. You got to spend money to make money. It's a balance sheet activity. 
not a PL transaction. So you're actually, actually making money in this situation, as Ryan points out. Yeah. Hire a general manager, you make more money. Uh, no, that is a challenge. There's a lot of you know these businesses at $3 million, you kind of want a GM or you need yep. a GM, but it, you can't afford that full-time role. Yep. Uh, that's one of the secret sauces of Paris Painting. As we look back, it's yep. actually been kind of fortuitous. So we've always had really nice profits as we've gone through growth yeah. and went through growth very, yeah. very quickly. You guys are very intentional with that. Part of it is because we were able to fractionalize these roles. Yeah. Right, so we talk yep, about yep. Alex is our president. A three million dollar painting business doesn't need a full time president. It does typically, not. right? But if Alex was not just the president of Paris Painting, we have a holdings company that had other businesses in it. Mm -hmm. It's very fractional as that. That's something that we do with uh, in all holdings as well. Yep. And well. and so when you can't afford a CFO, a lot of bigger businesses, I mean, even businesses that are 10, 15, 20 million dollars, they'll have a fractional CFO, which is yeah. a CEO will farm themselves off to six yeah. different companies. Which is a lot easier to find in like a uh, a dentist company yeah. than is for a painting company. That's it. It's a, it's a normal thing. So, uh, oh, Ryan just said his name, Kushiel. Kushiel. Are you sure? Let's let's really butcher it. Kushiel. Forget about it. Ryan, <laughs> He's not Italian. Ryan Kushiel. Kushiel. <laughs> Kushiel. Not Kolos. It's very fresh. It's very. I feel so bad, Mark. Kushiel. Watches these, but yes, he does. Uh, Lucas, are either of you familiar with the contractor fight, Kushiel. Tom Reber? Tom Reber. The fight. Yeah. Grind hard. Friend of the industry. Let's do I, some burpees. We, we've known Tom for a lot of years. And uh, yeah, he, he really fires contractors up. We're big fans of Tom You're, Reber. So. Oh, gosh. I was just going to say something really bad. Don't say it. <laughs> uh, Jesse Allen, thanks again. Uh, the first two inductees into the future painting Hall of Fame, probably located somewhere in New Prague. Uh, yeah, so we, we actually talked about um, introducing some new awards in the PCA, actually named after some of the big, you know, sort of like stalwarts of the right. industry and stuff like that and paint. Because right now we have two or three awards, uh, the Lydicke Award and things like that. Nobody's ever met these guys in the industry. And we do want to honor their legacy, but we we, we possibly are thinking about doing something in the in the line of that too. Uh, so we have awards for you know, shake it up, shake it up a little bit, but modernize it. So operating a one fourth a million year how important is it? That's $250,000. That's a very, I like, <laughs> that's awesome. Jason is operating a one-tenth of a billion dollar, $100 million company a year. Uh, How important is apparel and professionalism? How small it can be and afford a professionalization? You cannot afford to be unprofessional. Yeah. That's another no, amount of it is you are yeah. leaving money on the table when you aren't professional. Yep. You got to spend money and make money. No, no, you don't. <laughs> you can, so, okay. Yeah, spend money and make money. No, you don't. Yeah. Okay. No, no, so no. the shirts cost a little money, right? No. But- how much are you going to save on marketing? Is that actually right? Because how much are you going to save on marketing when all your people are wearing the shirts? Maybe there's some employee retention there. Yeah. Your clients are going to probably have, you know, better brand impression. They're going to more be more likely to tell friends. They just you got to spend that money. You know, there's, you there's a little bit of like, time. So you can solve. No, Jason. You can you can solve problems in one of three ways: with oh. time, with money, or both. Innovation. Time, money, or both. You or can violence. use violence. Time. Mm -hmm. Money right. or both. Your, your time could be violent time. time That'd be fine too. Or money, peaceful time. Or innovation. Yes. Uh, or both. Innovation could be with money or time. I think we're all saying the same thing. But early on in your business. So you say. I wish we were getting spicy earlier in this thing. What about. Like when we bantered back okay. Forth, okay. We'll get spicy. Don't worry. But people say, hey, should I, should I get a website? Should I get t-shirts? Guess what? You're not going to have a choice in five years. If you do not have a uniform. If you do not have a right. color and, and branded logo that's consistent through all things, they're giving away, as I always up. say in the Wild West, they, they give a land away for free, right? Guess what? 
They're not giving land away for free no. anymore. No. Uh, but think about this. If every time in you, Russia. if you interacted with Amazon and you went to the website and there was a different color and different logo and you saw one of their trucks, it was different color logo. And you went to then Amazon prime and it was a different color logo and there was no consistency. It would confuse you, right? Professional companies do not do this. Go to, go to Sherwin Williams and Benjamin Moore. There's consistent branding and marketing throughout. And guess what? Right now, should you get shirts or not? Yes. In five years, if you don't, you're going to weird people out and you're not going to have any business. That's just how it is. So, all right. You, you got any spicy stuff you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. What were we uh, let's see. We got before? First of all, I'm very impressed with your shop. I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, nice I, to watch. I through. feel like you're saying that you're setting me up for something. <laughs> I was thinking about how do I set them up? But I, no, it's actually really that's good. Oh, thanks, man. And, and yeah. have you down here is, is a great thing. Like we always uh, laugh about yeah. our friendship <laughs> yeah. consists of mainly spending time outside of Minnesota. And literally, we're 45 minutes away from That's the funny. People so, are like, yeah, it's just so great. You and Slavic are good buddies because you, know, you live close to Shawnee. I've seen you in the state maybe six times in yeah. the last five years. Yeah. You've been to my farm. I've been to your house. Most of those are gops. <laughs> yeah, we have we have been to like each other's shop now. I've been to your shop more than mine. And you know what? Our yeah. we have we have this thing where we meet at MSP airport yes. and we go places. That's <laughs> the vast majority of our time is at the airport and then our state. We share an egg white wrap from Starbucks, Starbucks and then we hit the road. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> All right. So you think of a spicy thing. Andy Hall estimator Andy is watching. He wants more spice. Andy, what's up? Or what's I like to call him Andy sometimes. Uh, Andy, what would be a good uh, good spicy topic of something? Oh, I got a spicy topic right here. Ryan, Kushayaliel, uh, I budgeted to spend $10,000 more this year on marketing. My hopes is that it turns into hiring a production manager. So what I will argue is that when people say, hey, when do you hire your first production manager or first estimator? I would say the first hire like that, um, I've, I stole a benchmark from you guys, which is 5% for field management, give or take. So what that would mean is that when you're thinking about how much should you spend on somebody, typically what we find is that a lot of big professional companies spend 5% on project management. So at a million dollars, that's $50,000. Then the sniff test is, can you hire a professional project manager for $50,000 a year? That's $25 an hour. Depending on if you want to make money. And the depends, answer is maybe. Depending on, yeah, <laughs> depends on your gross margin, depends on yep. what you need exactly. that margin to be. Depends on how well you're managing the other 15% of your overhead. Yep. Right. So here's the deal. And, and the basic thing that we need to get business owners in is if you're doing a million dollars a year and you want to spend 5% on a project manager, a really good paint company will run on a 15% true net profit. So if you don't increase the revenue coming in, you're taking a third of your potential profit and giving it to an employee. Now that may be beneficial. You may be taking that off. So you then can increase revenue. You say something spicy now or, or dispute that. Um, profits are theft from the proletariat. Wrong from direction the, of spice. Bourgeoisie say. class. Uh, Capitalism is inherently violent. Now, if you have a $2 million company, you have now potentially $100,000 of war chest to find. And now you can go find somebody with a project management degree. You can find somebody who has had 10 to 20 years of experience and can actually bring innovation to your company with different tech processes, accountability, innovation, things like that. So here's a spicy one. Do it. Ultras are better than hokas. Don't even start with the running and all that other stuff. No bueno. Yo no for bueno. a zero rise heel. No. Wide wide front foot. It's better for the long term trail runs. 
if you can get your uh, your foot stabilizers in check. I agree. So I've been, I actually started out with all Hoka's, mm, yeah. and now I've been switching to Ultras for my long runs. So one thing I've been thinking real about is on my cover stain start. oil primer has been great over the years, right? But I'm thinking of switching to something else. I really want a hybrid oil primer that will give you the benefits. Of okay, this is actually a good one. Pros and cons. So yeah, this is spicy. <laughs> Soft closing versus hard selling. Yes, there we go. Okay. okay. So Nick does a couple of things that are wrong. Let's just do this. Nick does I'm not. This. I'm here to learn. Nick does not take deposits. Uh, he does not close jobs. Uh, so Pookie's watching a, a kid show right now on the big uh, screen. So if you hear something, that's, that's yeah. Pookie now. Which is, yeah. Yeah. No deposits, no hard close. So you don't feel like you are the person to serve your clients well. What? Do you feel like your clients are better served or, or more poorly served by you not hard selling? So both of those I would file under, we've always done it that way and they're unintentional and it hasn't become a problem yet. So we haven't addressed it. Yeah. So when you go to an introverted, you know, Scandinavian person's house in Minnesota, all of our clients and they're like, Hey, I get the bid. This is great. Pookie, can you uh, shut that off, babe? We're just like, Please. it's like, we'll give you so much money. <laughs> give you allowance <laughs> dollars. Yeah. Are you Brad kids these days? Thanks, Pookie. Um, but it's kind of like, what was I going to say? Oh, you go to their house and they've gotten a couple of their bids. They are by far the best bid they've gotten. Mm -hmm. They are like, thank goodness. Uh, but I don't know if I can deal with the conflict of telling them that I want to go with them right now. And they're not asking mm -hmm. for the job. They're saying, I'll follow up with you in the future. I would argue that it's best for your client. If you're the one that's going to best serve your client, you are doing them a favor by help guiding them to make a decision right now. That's a good argument. Because I, I was, uh, Brad Ellison does this as well. Or he's been doing this. He's going to change it because he, he's not like an idiot, uh, a long-term idiot. He's short-term. He's short like his stature because he's so short. No, stop. That's so uh, mean. Chiropractors are fake, but I still use them because he got me into it. We've it's gone very beyond spicy into just It's called now. cognitive dissonance. I know it's not real, but I keep doing it. Hard close. I'll say you. So I was with him, and I could tell that I'm like, this client wants to buy from him, but he doesn't know it's okay. I'm like, you are, you are doing this client a disservice by not – Guiding them to close right now. Let them make the decision, but guide them a little bit. Because now they're going to go and sit down and be like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I liked him the most. It's a good price. Do I need to get three more bids? Do I need to get two more bids? Uh, they don't they don't know what to do. And now they're stressed out and they got to do more work. And they're like, frick, I got to do more work. And my now, I, now I'm getting a bid instead of doing this proposal I was supposed to do at my job. They get fired from their job. Okay. Now their kids don't have tuition to go to the night school. So they're going to public school. Now they're being introduced to new ideologies. They grow up. They want to change their. Yep. yep. <laughs> There's a lot of consequences <laughs> to not doing a hard close. Okay. Is what I'm saying. And you uh, lay out a pretty convincing scenario. It's right just, there. you are, you are doing, if you truly believe that what you're providing is the best solution for the client. Yeah. Guide them to what's doing the best thing for them. Honestly, Jason, that is the best argument I've ever heard for. It's like, I'm not doing this for my benefit. I'm doing this for your benefit. You should have us paint your house. I feel that's very, very strong. You get the, I know what you say. Like you get the white glove service. Mm -hmm. You're going to get, we're going to vacuum your, your rugs. You're going to have, you know, crafts people who have barely been painting for a year in your house. Uh, no, all these great things. Yeah. It's like, you, I'll just be honest, you are, you should buy from us and I want you to buy from us. And mm -hmm. if you don't, I don't know if you're going to get, and I don't, I don't know if you're doing what's best for you. 
And so it's not it's not for your benefit, which I think where it feels sleazy. Yep. It's really for their benefit. They're so going to be best served by making a decision now. I was just going to ask. So one of the concepts we've been working under, we try to distill what we do into a couple key concepts. And I was just going to ask my beloved estimator, Andy. Andy, that connects something for me. Does it connect for you? And he beat me to it, which is one of the things we talk about is not being the hero and being the guide. So think about like Star hmm. Wars. We are not Luke Skywalker coming in saying, we've conquered all the galaxies. We've killed all the bad guys. Here's our million national awards for this. We're well known across all, all the world for this. You need to be the Yoda and not the Luke Skywalker. You need to be that wise guide and let the client be the hero. And that's exactly what Andy is connecting right there. And that is honestly, man, how dare you wait this long to do something like that? To, well, to have about. like, a, uh, I need to shake these wise things out of you a little more often. But no, honestly, that makes me feel better about it, which is now you're actually, instead of just standing there and saying, hey, estimate, hey, client, you need to tell them the next step. And you need like, to say, I am doing this like, I know I'm very confident what our company does. This is the best. This is the best you're going to yeah. get. It's, it's affordably priced. It's value priced for what you get. And, and you've just told and the, but then you also like find out what the client is. Cause yeah. if Andy's going to sell like this in a hard closed way, there might be clients who is like, here's the bid. I know you've got a very tight budget. I know this is above your budget. Get a couple other bids. If you can't find someone, I don't know what you say, but you, you, you can feel if you're yeah. really the best fit for a client or not. If you're confident that you're yeah. the best fit for a client, you're going to best oh, serve them by trying to close. The comments are coming in now. You're firing this up here. You can put that search part of this project to bed move on to other things. I know, I know you have a lot going on. Well, that's a, that's an interesting sort of argument oh, to yeah. the client. Yeah. No, I like sure. that. <laughs> uh, confidence with conviction. Yeah. Uh, bingo, Nick, people buy for their for reasons, reasons, not yours. Oh, geez. Wow. You guys are, uh, <laughs> Andy Jedi's don't deal in absolutes. That's something you said. So John Harold has a good point. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with building a great job for yourself. Yeah. Right. A yeah. lot of dentists do this. Yeah. Right. You're right. Yeah. They, uh, they start a little dental practice. They still show up every day and they say, Hey, Susie, how are the appointments booking? They do this. They, right? they look in real okay. quick. Uh, you know, Johnny, can you show me the, okay. Yep. And what did you think of this x-ray? You thought that oh, you missed the cavity on G4. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sunk my battleship or whatever they say. <laughs> and they walk around to the next one and they, and they sit down, maybe they do like a more intensive procedure, right? They're like the master dentist and they've got their snipers out there. Nothing wrong with that. I just, and what I'm trying to introduce the industry is there's also this other option, right? There are other examples of what you could be in a business. Absolutely. I never saw that yeah. Yeah. as I was coming up in the industry. I think that's a novel thing to see as well. Yeah. I love it, guys. Man, this, oh, you fired up the proletariat here, Jason. My Lord. Holy cow. Um, I like Ryan. I'll call him Sarge. Sarge. I like that. Simplify. Man. Yeah. We love Ryan. Let's do man. some push ups. He's a, he's a killer here in Minnesota and one of our gompers. So, all right. Is there any other areas? Uh, okay. So, I run into this all the time and I have a chambered answer. Now, when we, when I travel the country, people will say, but Nick, I get you, but I am the best. I already charge the most and I'm booked out 18 months in advance. What, what I don't need job costing. I am rich. I am rolling it in. What do you say to that? We've encountered this before. Uh, I don't want to say the word. You know what I'm going to say? Is that a spicy word? Yeah. Um, Does it start with bowl? No. Okay. <laughs> and have a second part. So the first what was so there's like all every. I am the best. This is like universal. Right? I, I have said this. You should. I should the best. I'm the most expensive. You're the best at what? Painting. I'm the best. Yeah. Nobody does it better. No. You get this. In my market, everybody else is a hack. 
I'm out there doing the best work possible. I charge the most and I'm booked out 18 months in advance. That's proof of me being the best and the most expensive. Okay. Great. I don't want to talk to you. That's, I would just say, I don't want to talk to you. No, I would, uh, what, what piece of data, just like this closing thing, would you give them to help them open their mind up to a different reality? So let me think about if this was you, because I actually want to help you. Yeah, this person, I've said this, this person's you. already making me mad. I know. I'd be like, that's how untrue that statement is. Like, right? Just shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. That's really spicy. Shut your <laughs> mouth right now. When you're and talking I, to me. I go Will Smith on there. Hey. Ah! <laughs> wow, that is. No, what I'd say is that you never did that. If you're the best, you can't have all three. (laughs) I don't know. You just say you're just bad. Just stop it. Economics would dictate that one of those or two of those three are not true. Okay, if you're charging the most. So so it could be true. That's that's the other one. The one true true thing is you probably are booked out 18 months. You're best, yeah, booked out the next 18 months because you're not charging enough. Because you're not charging enough. But, and you're like putting a lot of economic value on the comfort on comfort right comfort and control because what people value in that situation is i don't have to go hustle for business yeah and i'm in control of my next 18 months of revenue that's what an employee would think of right my job is secure that's it and that's an employee mindset um not good or bad just it's like well what would you think if you were booked out nine months but we're charging twice as much right at what point does much yeah how many months into the future do you need to be booked to have baseline comfort for, for my company, two it's two weeks, literally. Exactly. Yeah, it's two weeks. That's, that's like the optimal of like, you can now charge a premium for availability. Yep. Uh, you're the best at painting. Congratulations. You I'm can't here. prove that and it's probably not. <laughs> I've myself. said that before. You're charging the most. Every painter says that. Yep. So it's like a hard thing. Uh, Meanwhile, can... when you look at the industry statistics, you take of- yep. uh, I'm I... rich. Very proud of you. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? It's all um, relative, whatever you think. How's, how's like capitalism end for you? And uh, it'll be fine. But yeah, by the laws of economics, if you give something away for free, people will take a lot of it. And oh, if you have something overpriced, oh, not a lot so of people will take that it. Person. All right. Let me know when you <laughs> oh, shut Jason, We're shutting Jason down. That, that is such a statement. That is such wow. an aggressive statement. Jason is shutting down. He can't even deal with it. Your face see. is red. You covered your hand, your face with My your face hands. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, this is a good one. 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 Oh, it's another spicy one. Uh, so I did John Harles with the thing. Spicy. Having unprofe- having professional comps that subs to unprofessional smaller companies that are bad to work for. How does that help the employees of our industry? Great question, Michael. So this is like the uh, subcontractor uh, attack or like the concern. So the subcontractor return or mm. concern. It's kind of like, well, you're not a you're not really providing good good work for the industry if you're using subcontractors as opposed to employees. I've seen companies treat we treat our subcontractors much better than most people treat their employees. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. Also, the yeah. best as part of this secular thing, so maybe the industry will move to more employee model over time as more real businesses get formed. The best painters in our industries are subcontractors, right? So I never that I know of had to bid head to head with Nick, but in theory, if I did, I'd be like, listen. Listen here. <laughs> okay. Nick has employees. You know who is an employee in the painting industry? People that aren't very good. <laughs> you know what good employees do? They start their own companies. Right? They start their own LLC. Now they can't find all their work on their own because they're really good at painting, but yeah. not phenomenal at marketing and sales, which is why they work for companies like me. So my, my company is genuinely an outlier where we have 
done the things we need to do to make these master crafts. Sure, 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 sure. But, but anyways, that's how I would sell so it. The problem is when you say subcontractors, we're thinking of two different things. We have subcontractors here. You have subcontractors. I've seen them where they are self-managed crews. They are professionals. They are amazing They're craft the best people. in Minnesota. And, and so 60, 63% of our industry is believed to be Hispanic speaking. And most of those are subcontractors Living and they the are American some, dream. they are some of the finest craftspeople you will ever see. So I'd say they're, and so, so the key part of here is like something to unprofessional, smaller companies. Yeah. You can hire unprofessional employees in the same ilk, Yeah, but it's a great, it's, it's, it's a great uh, thing to bring up Michael because it's, it's like, uh, I think it's pretty much over, but there used to be this misnomer of like subcontractors are bad, which so, was very real when five, six years ago. Oh, listen, Harper, we, listen. Now it's like, well, they're actually, usually the best painters in the industry cliches are there for a reason just like when we met with the iupat the union the finishers union a bunch of italian guys showed up and we joked about hanging people over bridges yeah. so it's like the cliches are there for a reason they may not be true now they are true but they have been, they have been <laughs> building an apartment in st paul and they are active and all right, so we have just been invaded by all the Slavic family here. So uh, you're going to hear crunching of uh, forget about it <laughs> of all those things. Uh, Jason, you got any others you want to point where you increase the sales volume or aggression, you start to lose the sale. Yeah, so if you maybe increasing the price, I think, or the aggression, you lose sale for sure. You have yep. to be a, a assertive, not aggressive. I have I have seen high pressure sales yep. that seriously turn people off and uh, there is a very sophisticated professional way to do that to guide and not to force. Yep. I'm sure. Discounts to match or get closer to competitor's price. If you guys want to crunch chips, oh. you can you can head into the office over here too, guys, if you want. So the bad, they, they love it when I stop by. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody came to see Mr. Paris today. They're like, oh, Jason is when Jason's here, we can't be with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so any the discounts to match to get closer to competitor's price. If you're gonna do that, you have to understand the consequences of it. Yeah. And this is where we tie our estimators and our project managers our VPs and our president's compensation into the margin of jobs. So if a sales rep wants to go and sell a job for less money than the estimate builder spits out, how does it affect everybody else? Right. And how does everybody else feel about that? That's really a group question uh, because if you have an estimator that's you know, doing all this price matching, this price discounting and their low margin jobs, how do you think the, the project managers feel about that? Mm, right? yeah. How do you think the, uh, the VP of sales feels about that? How do you think the president feels about that? Uh, are we getting an earful unless you're in a, an issue where you need to get the work? Yeah. Oh, I, there's, there's one question right there. Uh, Brian Chemnitz, that this is one of my favorite, my favorite thought experiments ever, which is what's a fair price. Is there a limit? So here, when I travel around and do my estimating master's class, oh, wow. I obviously can't tell you what to charge for X. Cause it's going to be different. What Jason charges for an exterior is going to be different than mine. Maybe. What I say, the person ours is just more metric driven. Yours is like crazy data set. So um, we actually measure houses 3D and come with the models to an Sounds inch. That's that's yeah, awesome. It's all this is it's all AI. We're time not actually circle. fight. We're not actually time fighting. is a time is a circle. Yeah, it's it's hard. Maybe I'll introduce your company to it sometime. It's really cool. You actually make 3D models. Of houses Maybe one day we'll be a square inch. It's actually super innovative something you could getting a lot of great results yep, it is um so the perfect price what i consider the perfect price is not one price it is what i would dictate as market rate which is the highest price you can sell something for while still having a full schedule and when you have a full schedule you can produce them profitably 
If those three things are true, then that is the best price for your company. So I think there's a little bit too, that's completely correct. Yeah. You could also say what fits your business model. Yeah. And so some of these guys are talking to like, Hey, I don't, I don't know when you're professional though, you do need to, to have a profit for the business. Cause if you're professional yeah. and you treat yourself well, mm -hmm. your clients well and the employees well. And so to have a profit in the business is needed and it's kind of, you know, how much does your labor cost might dictate the price yeah. that's fair to charge. Absolutely. Right? Let's yeah. say you need to, you need your, your business model to be sustainable needs a 20% net margin, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so you start saying like, well, when I start to back out the other overhead and the other materials, but I get labor super cheap because I have a bunch of kids working for me for free because I have four kids in my family <laughs> called the Slavic crew. You know, maybe you're not charging that much. And that's a fair price for you to run your business. That's yep. another way to look at it. But at the end of that, uh, the answer to that is another series and unsatisfying answers that we give people, which is, do some jobs and job costing if they're profitable. Okay. Keep raising the price until you don't sell them and you have gaps in the schedule and then back the price off. And for that point in time, that is market rate for your business. You let me know when we need to cut off because I'm getting a little excited here. No, go for uh, it. This is this do you is have any comments rating. on chiropractor. Quick. Um for the chiropractors that are my clients, we love you dearly. We respect your You're not frauds. services as a science. That's a hard science. Um, definitely not a hard science. I would, I would put this down in the realm of like, I don't know. I can't, you can come up with way better sentences, but there is probably more feelings based than database benefit. Yeah. It's definitely fake. hundred percent fake. However, it also works. That's the, that's the frustrating part. What works though? When I go there, I feel better after I'm done. But and when you yeah. exercise, you feel better. I would pay money for someone to exercise for me, hundred percent. And I, I I go through a lot of energy and effort and to, to exercise. Now I'm spending money to go to the chiropractor. Bradley Ellison tried to convince me that it's real. I told him that's fake. My wife made me do it, and uh, not made me soft power, soft power. <laughs> and uh, anyways, it's very frustrating because I go there. I'm like, my leg is not longer than the other leg. Don't you don't have to tell me that. Like I just want to come here and give you money and feel better. Don't stop trying to say all these things. Okay. The other one was uh the favorite closing question. Patrick Patrick, Patrick Coy. William Coy. Let me tell you my favorite Big fans closing of Pat question. Coy. You sit down at the closing table, you say, Now I haven't done a bit in five years. So let's start with that. All right, treat me like your client. You say, Man, how about that Yahoo search engine? Isn't it the best? That's back uh, when I was yeah, doing, back when I was doing bids. All right, Nick. So I've got the proposal here for you. Yeah. Uh, before, so here it is. I've got the bottom folded over with the price. Yeah. So before I reveal that bottom part, just want to check a few things with you. First of all, is this the scope you're looking for? Yeah. Everything that I detail that was how you want it. Are there any unmet needs I have in here of things you're looking for? I think you wrote it down very well. Yeah. Okay. I've already butchered this. <laughs> There's three reasons people decide to, to buy. Yeah. You know, well, the first is the scope there. Second is you trust the company. Third is the price rate. Right. So first of all, Andy, take those down. Yeah. First of all, is the scope right? Yep. You feel good about it. Great. Any unmet needs at the mm -hmm. end? No. Okay. Cool. Show you here. So we've got it at 5,400. Is that in the ballpark of what you're looking for? Ballpark of the budgeting? I'll have to talk with my life partner and get back to you tomorrow. Unacceptable. <laughs> you know what's great? Is, I'm feeling, wow, that's really aggressive. Because so, you're kind of doing a something thing. So what I would say, honestly, what I'd say that is like, that's great. Totally get it. I actually have a few calls to make in the in the car. Do you mind just giving them a call right now? I've got a busy day. I don't want to have to follow up with you. Just have a quick conversation. I don't want to bug them at work. They're at work. I can't just call them and say, they're, we're going to have to sit down and go through this thing together. I'm going to have to tell them who you don't are. Don't be stupid. Okay. <laughs> don't be stupid. 
you need to buy this paint job right now. It's not for my benefit, it's for your benefit. Are you telling me that you don't trust me? Because that was the th this is how it's supposed to Oh no, now he's going in the grease. So I, so I already screwed it up. The way it's supposed to go is you get them to say, yes, this is the scope. Okay, that seems like it's like somewhat in the ballpark. Yeah. I know I've got to get a couple of bits. Okay, third thing is, you know, do you want to go with us? The third thing is always, do you trust us? Right? The, there's, I said there's only three reasons. Yeah, but third, would, you, would you spend $5,400 without your life partner's input into that? It's a great decision. What do you mean $5,400? This is the best decision you can make. I'll tell you what she's going to say. Or he. I can't, I can't tell with that sweater vest. He or she is going to say yes. How do you know that? Because they make good decisions. We have make, a budget. They make good decisions because they married you. All right. Listen, it's very convincing. It's very convincing. Uh, I like this, but I'm still not going to tell you yes. There's something to that, Patrick, of you'll have to ask Micah how it actually goes. I push yeah. it, but you say like. That's actually pretty good. I just want to make sure we got the scope right. want to make sure we got the price in the ballpark. And the yep. third one, I'm not going to assume you're going to go with us. The third one is, do you trust us? It used to be a lot easier when I was doing it because I would say, because I'm the owner. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm glad we got the scope right. Prices in the ballpark, somewhere in there. Okay, perfect. The last thing I want to assume you're going to go with us. The last thing is, do you trust me? You really ask them, and do they, they trust you? Yes. Really? Yeah. When I used, I haven't done bids in over five years, like I said, but when I did it, I would say, last thing is, do you trust me? Estimator in? Oh, and man, you just, fired up estimator in. And then you just he, sit he, there. He drove, he drove all the way back. And you hold it, and you're not holding tension, you just hold the silence. He said, last thing is you trust me. Grab a chair and, and then finish, finish off the show with us here. They, oh, say like, right. they might say like, well, I think I do. I just don't know. Like, totally understand, you know, what what would help you feel comfortable with hiring us? Because now you're saying like, what would make you feel comfortable with hiring us? Right? And say like, do you need some referrals? Do you need some references? Do you want us to go through the process of how we paint a house again? What can I do to help you feel comfortable? Because I'm, I'm confident. They have their guys finalize a okay. house call with, do you trust me? I'll just be honest. I, I, have, I have trained zero. Did you call the wife or call the life partner yet? No. So I, I, I used to do that. It's a, it's a, I used to do that. I'd be like, totally get it. I have to make a few calls in the car. I just want to give them a call right now. I've done that numerous times. Oh, not for saying. Not for my benefit. <laughs> for your benefit. <laughs> Boy, he's he, doing he got some good sales uh, sales nuggets here I today. So. Just find all the. So he, Nick wants you to sell against the subcontractor model. The funny thing is, is Nick uses a subcontractor model. Yeah. Can you, I don't know if you can believe this. Nick buys his paint from a paint manufacturer instead of mixing it himself. He's not even a real painter. He doesn't even, he doesn't even make his own paintbrushes. He's a fraud. <laughs> He's buying it from some corporation. Yeah. Like the same brushes, pedestrian brushes that everybody it's, else. That's buys. not a real painter. A real painter owns the supply chain all the way down, right? Target would never buy clothes Andy, from we india don't, we don't even make our own pants Tar no, target we, makes all their shirts people are don't you know that targets look at i le bought leather from next capitalist shoes <laughs> you may have your your decent human being jason's time. jason's getting fired up today he's just gonna take over the show here okay no, brad i just want to tell you chiropractic is 100 <laughs> fake and it just freaks it's, it frustrates me so much. I still go it. to it, and it still makes me feel better, but I still know it's fake. It's that's that's the cognitive dissonance, dissonance that's so frustrating for me. Is I can't, I can't. It's kind of like a. It's kind of like the wisdom of God, you know. It's like two things at once. How about we just go to the next question? Huh? <laughs> Jason, you should have figured out the influences were. All right, great show today. Uh, Instagram is blinking. Is that somebody telling us to get off? Yeah. I was wondering. Great show today. 
I stayed 40 minutes longer than you invited me for. So Andy, yeah. uh, nuggets. You were you were listening intently. Is there, <laughs> is there a takeaway from this conversation? I, I like the guiding. I like yeah. I like advocating for the client because you are the best choice. I think that's that's fantastic. That is good. It's so, great if you can look them in the eye and say, yeah. "I know we're gonna be the best yeah. company to hire." Yeah, and that's that. That makes hundred. I also know sense. you could spend a lot of time getting other bids. You're gonna call ten other people. Mm -hmm. Three of them aren't gonna answer your phone call. You're gonna call Sarge, right? <laughs> yeah, go Sarge. <laughs> now you got seven people to answer your phone call. Five of them show up to your door, right? Two of them you don't like right away, or one of you don't like right away. One of them never gets you a bid. Somehow you get three of three so bids. One of them is a no show, right? And then two of those people are gonna you're gonna have to follow up a week later because they never sent you an estimate. Just an estimate. Then you're gonna get your low, medium, and high bid. I'm your medium bid. You can go through all that work. You can hire us now. Here's all the referrals. Here's the people we pay in house for. Here's the reputation. Here's the social proof. Here's why I know we're a great decision. Is there anything that makes you feel like this isn't a great decision? So also, uh, we did buddy estimates with my son Milo, estimator Ian, and estimator Andy, and we went four for four that night with no hard closes. So there is point. There is a wait. What? <laughs> I'll say that there is there is hard proof that doing buddy bids increases the SR. Oh really? I think it's because this is my hypothesis. I think it's because people are just more regimented to the process when they know somebody's watching. Observer effect. Right. There's also like a, it's like hey, I'm just showing people how to do things. I'm cognizant of your families here, and uh, <laughs> we got a full room. It's for like Pavlov. It's like Pavlov's bell. Every time Jason's here, Dad, dad uh, doesn't get to hang out with his family. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're here to apply social pressure. Oh, Jason Paris is coming again. Do you bring references with you to your investment son? Do you have like a rest? I've not done a bit in five years. So. <laughs> but I'm sure okay. people, yeah, I'm sure I okay. do. I'm sure they do it like by city you did when you were or by substrate type or yeah, last okay. question. Brian Chemnitz, estimator Andy, what is your secret sauce? Why do you kick ass? <laughs> oh man. I that's I, that's a hard question. I don't I think uh like Jason was saying about guiding, I think when I came to work with Nick, I came from a family business of not high pressure for the clients, but giving clients what they ask for, uh, building that trust with them, and then letting them make uh, an educated guess, or not guess, an educated decision on uh, whether to hire you or not. Um, I like what you do when you ask, like, so that's, that's opens my mind a little bit on the soft closing and hard closing. Um, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say I have a secret sauce right now. My, uh, Ian, our last estimator, is, is wanting me in uh, sales, and I've been I've been picking my brain apart. So for last week, so, <laughs> which is good, but I, I think it all comes down from selling, you know, from the basis of honesty and trust, and and delivering on the promises and not over promising, you know, something. So and, and we pretty do, simple stuff to say. I guess, we but. also try to do like you know we love being relational, but we also understand that to our clients, like somebody mentioned before. This may only be a transaction and if we approach everything like we want to know your kids we want to know your life story and things like that another that is, piece of bad advice from nick that is relationships first that is something okay. we're interested in we but to our show. clients they may just need their garage door painted Ian, we had the conversation today before i walked my last estimate and the previous client um went in probably the fastest estimate i've ever had 10 minutes and in and out yeah where do i sign let's yep. get on the schedule I was talking to Ian afterwards and he goes, Andy, you know, because sometimes you know, my, my detriment or thing I thought might have been a detriment when I started with you was not having all the technology like you know, Nick and, and the painters and you know, working the company for so long. 
because honestly, I think uh, it could be a detriment to you. We talk about this too, over. They don't care about the pain. We have what, too many weapons to yeah. give a client, and they don't care. Yeah, and differentiating between the people that just want to know get their veteran, but get veteran pain versus the person that wants to know that's done a bunch of research on a blog that wants to know what the difference between a you know a two part water uh, based player thing finish on their cabinets yeah. versus a you know a Yep. There's so trying to find that that differentiate like give one wants it. Yeah, exactly, and that's brief and bright. Brief and bright. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, Mr. Paris. Any last words? Up. We gotta we gotta round this show out here. Humble we, long and hungry, one gallon at a time. The Wild West. They used to give land away for free. That's not that doesn't last forever. Eventually, the Wild West gets settled, and so encourage people to professionalize their businesses. It's going to get a lot more competitive, and I hope to be a big part of that. The unending. Uh, cold to cold. You have been and you will be. I have and been. Are. And so, capitalism yeah. will incentivize that and you push it forward. Wonderful. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Again, um, kindest thing you can do right now is to share this show. Share it in your story. Share it in your feed. Everything else. Also, um, Business Accelerator. If you liked anything you think here, the ethos of this conversation of constantly pushing the boundaries, professionalizing, being real businesses, that's the ethos of the training that Jason and I created for the industry the Business Accelerator. It's on the PCA's website. There's also a link in the show notes here. And if you want a master's class with me and this nerd anywhere in the country, uh, there's also a link for that too. Yeah, please, please do that. I have a lot a lot of fun with Nick when we do these things. I know his family is rolling his eyes. So, okay, Nick's going on a flight again with Jason. That's great. How um, else am I going to get diamond medallion status if we don't fly to one of the joys Nebraska? Of my life is, is our, our, riff, our riffing back and forth. Yeah, and if anybody's seen us do a joint presentation, boy, you are... Oh. <laughs> You, you know, it gets, it is this in it's person. This. Yeah. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And we take live questions from the audience. So thanks everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for the long show. And we'll be monitoring, answering questions after. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.